UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about UFOs, aliens, and the dark side. That's correct. UFOs, aliens, and the dark side. Of course, we have that uh, UFO hearing coming up today with AARO and Senator Gilderbrand and some others not looking for a lot of uh, groundbreaking revelations there. But I'm thinking there's some things that they won't be talking about in that hearing today, uh, April 19th. 2023. Things that they haven't wanted to talk about in the last 70 or 75 years. Things like abductions, people being taken against their will, possibly our own government working with these entities, whatever they are, doing some very dark things. And I found this article on myuniverse.org. They do a lot of good work over there. The article is dated April 16th, 2023 by Nick Redfern. I really enjoy his work. The title says, Alien Implants, Underground Bases, and Sinister Experiments, A Secret Nightmare for the U.S. Government. And you know, when you look at some of these cattle mutilation cases and how some of these cases are uh, so-called investigated, it looks more and more like collusion and conspiracy between our own government and whatever these dark forces are to me. It says, Is it possible that the U.S. government is hiding a terrible secret about the alien abduction phenomena? just about the worst secret possible, namely that there exists a huge underground installation far below the remote Mexican town of Dulce, into which alien abductees are taken but never returned. It sounds like bizarre, over-the-top science fiction, but what if it isn't? What if it's true, and maybe even worse than we know or suspect? Welcome to the world of what has become known as the Dulce Base, after the aforementioned town under which it allegedly exists. At first glance, there doesn't seem to be anything unusual about Dulce in the slightest. It's a small locale of less than 3,000 people, the majority of them being Native Americans, and is home to the tribal headquarters of the Jicarilla Apache Reservation and dates back to 1887, which is when it was first settled. It was an inviting landscape and is dominated by hills, trees, and green slopes and the pace of life is far removed from that of the average bustling city. It is a perfect environment for those who have no time for the rat race. Except for one thing, the alleged atrocities going on below the town's vast Arcoleta Mesa. Now, we've read a lot about Dulce. There's been a lot of uh, ufologists come forward and talk about it. You know, we don't really know what's going on in these places because uh, they're government bases or government controlled. No one's really been able to do a proper investigation. But there's certainly a lot of weird stuff that goes on around it. It says that UFO researchers talk about huge numbers of alien abductees held against their wills in a giant facility thousands of feet below the surface. In some cases, used in genetic experiments, even used for food. The government, the rumor mill goes, is unable to do anything about it. The military is helpless. Trying to destroy the base would possibly reveal the bleak truth to the public and the media, something which might create even more chaos and fear than already exists. So the government stays as far away as it can from the base, hoping that the abductors from the stars will one day leave, and leave for good. But how did this strange and almost unbelievable saga begin? Why do so many people in the ufology believe that such a base exists? It all revolves around a man named Paul Benowitz. Now, we've talked about Paul Benowitz before, but before I get into that, I would just say, you know, maybe people would be less likely to believe in conspiracy theories and cover-ups if we could simply get all the paperwork on the John F.K. assassination. 
Even Trump, who claimed he was going to go in there and shake things up and, you know, release all these documents, even hinted toward disclosure, wouldn't give us these last few documents on John F. Kennedy's assassination. Who are they covering for? It's been, what, almost 60 years or something like that? This is crazy. Secondly, when we can't even get simple documents uh, surrounding uh, UFO crash material, like we talked about before, I remember uh, with John Greenwald put a FOIA in for uh, what was supposed to be crash UFO crash material, I believe it was in Korea back like in 1953 or something. And when he got back was a piece of paper that was completely blacked out. What are we hiding from 70 years ago? So, nobody needs to make fun of me for being a so-called conspiracy theorist. When we have prima facie evidence of conspiracy in our face, when they're covering up uh, trivial things almost from 70 years ago, they won't give us disclosure. What, what, could, what could possibly be hidden in those files? You would think that everybody involved in killing Kennedy would be dead by now. It's been 70 years, or 60 years. Obviously not, or they would have released more of that information. It says, as far back as the 1960s, Benowitz had an interest in UFOs. He was a card-carrying member of the Arizona-based Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, APRO, and lived with his wife Cindy in a pleasant part of Albuquerque, New Mexico. The offices of his company, Thunder Scientific, backed into Kirkland Air Force Base. Now, remember we talked about him. He was a really smart guy. Uh, he had his own company. He made a lot of money. Uh, they claim uh, the government has put it out there that, hey, maybe this guy had some mental health issues or whatever. But this this fellow was stalked. Uh, he was manipulated. And he was harassed by somebody who appears to have been uh, hired by the government, if not the deep state. A, a tremendously sad uh, terrible story how it turns out. Anyway, it goes on and says, in the Dulce story, given that Benowitz's family lived in Albuquerque and taking into consideration Benowitz's long-standing interest in UFOs, it's not at all surprising that Benowitz took a great deal of interest in the cattle mutilation phenomena, which had hit various parts of New Mexico in the mid to late 1970s. What's well, big news back in 1970? Remember, no internet back then. This, you know, I'm old enough, even as a little kid, I can remember the stuff hitting uh, television stories. It seemed like they were happening all over. It says, and he quickly took note when in 1979 he started to see strange aerial vehicles flying silently across the skies of Kirkland. He was sure they weren't helicopters, and they definitely weren't regular aircraft. For Benowitz, this left just one answer available, UFOs. But what were alien spacecraft doing flying over the bases and also the nearby huge Sandinia Mountains in the dead of night? In the early days of his investigations and when his mind was largely free of the paranoia that later overwhelmed him, Benowitz suspected that aliens were just checking out what was going on at Kirkland. With no, within no time at all, however, and when he was exposed to the horror stories coming out of Dulce, Benowitz came to think that some faction of the military had been invited to work hand-in-glove with dangerous ETs, one of those mafia-style offers it's never wise to refuse. He's not the only one to think this. This notion has been around for years. Remember we've talked about the theory that uh, Eisenhower 
that signed paperwork saying that they were allowed that the, that the aliens were allowed to take so many human abductees a year, but they had to bring them back. Uh, this was done, that was done. Who knows? But there's there's been so much craziness in the year, it, it, you know, over time, and so little disclosure that we don't know what's really happening. They, I mean, when somebody acts guilty repeatedly, after a while, you start to think, well, maybe they are guilty. It says, as a result of his growing suspicions that the aliens and the military were in some kind of reckless cahoots, Benowitz did something that proved to be his downfall. He approached staff at Kirtland and told them all about his research into the strange craft over the base and the mountains. Uh, certainly correct about that. I mean, you know, I would never <laughs> recommend anybody to privately go to the deep state and tell them about your concerns about UFOs. <laughs> start a blog, start a podcast, talk to your friends about it. Whatever you have to say, say it publicly. You certainly don't want to end up in some sort of covert relationship with these people. He shared with them recordings of strange transmissions that came through his radio equipment, which he believed were coded alien messages, and he admitted that he suspected there was something dangerous and disturbing going on in New Mexico, maybe even a secretly planned invasion of our planet by a gigantic alien armada. The military and intelligence officers with whom Benowitz spoke listened carefully and closely. Whatever the true nature and origin of those craft and signals, the people at Kirtland were highly concerned by the fact that Benowitz was onto, well, onto something. They wanted to know exactly what Benowitz knew. Hardly surprisingly, he was placed under intense surveillance. His home was watched, his phones, both at home and at work, were tapped, and on occasion, his mail was intercepted and read. Benowitz soon found himself caught up in a bizarre world filled with truths, half-truths, lies, and half-lies concerning alien abductions and extraterrestrial visitation, and to the point that he didn't know what the truth was. The outcome is he finally went off the rails, but before we get to that, we need to take a look at a strange detour in the story of Paul Benowitz. Now, of course, we know that he reportedly committed suicide. It seems as if he may have had mental health issues, and I don't know. I have to ask myself, this this man, you know, he was a, success, a successful businessman, seems like a really smart guy before all this stuff happened. Uh, did he have some sort of onset in his, you know, in his uh, middle age or whatever that, that uh, he was dealing with mental health issues, some sort of brain disease? Or was he being mind-controlled, possibly even given, you know, mind-altering drugs by these deep state actors? We know that they've done this before. And the sad thing was, of course, we know the radio signals he heard were uh, signals coming from the base, and they were doing some kind of research there, so we don't know for sure what he saw flying around the sky. This notion that it was some sort of top-secret uh, military research could just be a parallel narrative to what was actually going on there. What we know for sure is that, was that the Paul Benowitz was the victim. He's the guy that ended up dead. He went in good faith to these... Uh, people in our own government to tell them what he discovered, thinking he was helping, and the more he tried to help, the further he went down this uh, spiral of deceit, and, and, and it ended up with him, you know, ending his own life, or his own life ended, I guess we could say, a terribly sad, sad story, I, I think it would have been better if he would have just foregone all the cloak and dagger stuff, of course, this is, this was, you know, back, what, in the 70s, 80s, whatever, he, didn't have access, you know, to all the all of the open source stuff that we do today. He couldn't just go online and start a blog. He couldn't just share his findings with people. 
Anyway, it goes on. It says, there is no doubt that matters really went into high gear when Paul Benowitz was introduced to a woman named Myrna Hansen. On May 6, 1980, a panicky Hansen phoned the offices of the, of the Cimarron at New Mexico Police with a confusing tale of something strange that had happened to her less than 24 hours earlier. As a result of her frantic, almost hysterical state of mind, Hansen didn't make much sense. All that the officer on the other end of the line could make out were references to mysterious lights in the sky, people who may not have been people after all, and cattle. The officer knew none other than Officer Gabe Valdez, who was, as we have seen, who, as we have seen, played a significant role in the 1970s era investigations into cattle mutilation, black helicopters, and alien abductions. It just so happens that Benowitz and Valdez had become friends. How convenient. After meeting at an April 20, 1979 cattle mutilation conference at Albuquerque Public Library, it was a conference which was packed with undercover intelligence personnel from Kirkland and special agents of the FBI. You know, that's the crazy thing about this. People try to get together, like-minded people, and talk about stuff. Today, it, we They still do with these UFO conferences. And you see it a lot in, in these, uh, I don't know, patriot groups or whatever, where there's a supposed demonstration against this or that, and uh, all the participants are wearing khaki pants and matching shirts. I mean, come on. And I kind of see the same thing here with some of these uh, UFO conferences. They're great for people to go have fun and talk about this stuff, and it makes a nice living for the folks that go there and speak, and maybe they bring up some different things, and it's it's a nice social event. But I also would say be really careful who you talk to, and whatever you do, just do it out in the open. Make sure that, you know, if I was at one of these conferences and I was talking to somebody, I wouldn't say anything I couldn't print in the newspaper. As long as you maintain transparency and disclosure and keep it in a public view, I, th I think you're going to probably be okay. But when you get into this cloak and dagger stuff, this is where people could fall into all kinds of craziness. Anyway, that's my soapbox. It goes on and says, It wasn't long at all before the latter found himself deep in the heart of the Myrna Hansen saga. Valdez put in a call to the Cimarron police and asked if one of their officers could drive Hansen the approximately 200-mile-long drive to Benowitz's home in Albuquerque. What could go wrong there? Fortunately, one of the officers was able to do just that. As a result, Benowitz and Hansen were soon brought together, and the investigation of the latter's astonishing experiences began, and astonishing is not an exaggeration. It was the night of May 5, 1980, when Hansen and her son, a young boy at the time, were driving through northeastern New Mexico and saw something strange in the sky. Actually, two things. A giant-sized UFO, bigger than a pair of Goodyear blimps put together, and a triangular-shaped object of, a small, of smaller dimensions. But that's when things became somewhat confusing. Although the welcoming atmosphere in the Benowitz home helped to calm Hansen down, it was as if a door had been placed in her mind. A door behind which was the most fantastic part of the story, but which she was unable to penetrate. Benowitz contacted Jim Lorenzen of the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, APRO, and asked if he had any suggestions for how they might try and figure out what really happened to Hansen and her son. As it happens, Lorenzen did have an idea. He suggested bringing in Leo Sprinkle, who, remember, was instrumental to unraveling the curtains of the mind of Jody, Judy Doherty, who witnessed a horrifying cattle mutilation event in 1973. Sprinkle booked a flight 
and was in Albuquerque on the 11th of, of the month. He, won, he wasted no time in hypnotizing Hansen. The, con, the contents of that hypnotic session make for both absorbing and troubling reading. Now released publicly, the contents include the following from Hansen on that nightmarish evening. She says, I'm driving my son's right there in my car talking to me. I'm half tuning him out. The light is so bright. I feel like it's coming in on me. I stop the car and we get out. This isn't real. It can't be happening. What is it? There's another one. The bright the bright is confusing. I want to leave, but I want to see what it is. My son wants to leave, but I've got to know what's going on. So much commotion. They're landing. Cattle are screaming, but I've got to know who is. The light is so bright. It's orange. I want to see them. I want to go to them. I'm out of the car screaming of the cattle. It's horrible. It's horrible. Incredible pain. I still want to get to them, but they're mad. Wow. Nothing I'd want to get to. And then it goes on and says, the hypnosis also revealed that a significant number of hours had been lost during the trip, which was from Oklahoma to Eagle's Nest, New Mexico. She was also able to recall seeing a cow somehow sucked into the craft. It was almost identical to the Judy Doherty incident of 1973. The story got even more bizarre and sinister. While still under the hypnosis, Hansis described being taken to a below-ground facility where she saw body parts in vat-like containers. She also recalled being implanted with a tiny device, but for what purpose she didn't know. Benowitz, though, believed that the implant would allow the aliens to monitor not just her movements, but her thoughts, too. It's perhaps not surprising that the Air Force was soon on the case, just as a war with Judy Doherty saga of seven years earlier. Benowitz was in touch with various players from Kirkland Air Force Base, chiefly intelligence agency military officers. When he confided in them the facts surrounding the Myrna Hansen's jarring encounter, they, came, they sat and took notice in big-time fashion. The Air Force even quietly arranged for Hansen to meet with personnel from the New Mexico-based Loveless Medical Center. There was a good reason for that. Staff from the facility had been involved in studying the cattle population in northern New Mexico. Wow, cattle which may have been exposed to radiation under mysterious circumstances. On top of that, the Loveless family had a building on Kirkland Air Force Base. You know, this is where you get into some really scary stuff, and it's hard to separate the narratives. So basically what they're saying here is that I think they're hinting toward, well, maybe some of these cattle mutilations occurred because the uh, military was clandestinely uh, studying their radiation exposure. You know, that still doesn't... I can understand how that could be a possibility, but it still doesn't explain to me all of the cattle mutilations that we have reported where there's no blood, no tracks around the carcass, anything like that. So, you know, here we go again. It seems like no matter what the phenomena is, whether it's human abductions, implants, cattle mutilations, sightings, encounters, whatever, there's always a parallel narrative. Hansen was taken to the Loveless installation on three occasions and x-rayed. The military wanted to know if that implant which Hansen talked about was real. Greg Bishop says the military was to deter was determined to find out if they could find the minute device which Benowitz was sure was embedded near the base of her skull along the spinal cord. Sure enough, something was seen, but Air Force doctors confided in Benowitz that it was nothing more than a natural growth. 
whether these same doctors were telling the truth or were trying to keep Benowitz from learning that aliens really were secretly implanting American citizens with, known, with unknown devices and for unknown purposes remains unknown. The story wasn't quite over. Further digging into the matter of that underground facility to which Hansen was taken and went ahead, this time by the Air Force rather than by Benowitz, Hansen was soon hypnotized by a psychologist at Kirkland Air Force Base, something which led to an incredible revelation. In her hypnotized state, Hansen described being taken to what was without a doubt one of the most secure underground facilities at Kirkland, a weapon storage area that was comprised of several below-surface levels. No one could explain how Hansen could have described the area unless she had personally been there. It's hardly surprising then that all of this sent Benowitz's fear filled paranoia through the roof. He now suspected to his horror that the military was indeed working with the aliens on a top-secret program that involved alien abductions and cattle mutilations. He even suspected that portions of the underground portions of Kirkland may have been handed over to the extraterrestrial invaders by forces or willing by force or willingly, he didn't know. Well, we've heard this before. There's this great underground base where the aliens are basically left to their own devices. And the reason I think these questions arise is because we just haven't got disclosure. We're not going to hear about any of this on to, at today's uh, hearing. Not one bit of it. Now, they'll talk about, you know, things darting around the sky, all this sort of uh, woo-woo stuff on the edge that nobody can prove or disprove. But this notion, this theory that our own military, our own in our deep state, are working in collusion with some sort of alien force, has been around for a long time, and it explains a lot of stuff. I mean, if you look at the way the FBI fails to react to these cattle mutilation cases, if you look at the way the government has been on the campaign to deperson experiences for the last sixty or seventy years, it. It makes perfect sense, and that's why people think, well, maybe this is the case. Just like with this lady, they find that she has uh, something at the base of her skull, but, you know, we're not going to look at it. We're just going to assume that it's a natural growth. We see this in a lot of these uh, implant cases where they take the implant out, it tests uh, positive for some sort of strange uh, metal alloy that, that doesn't even come, you know, from Earth, but still, it's just something your body created on its own when they have all sorts of weird characteristics. It goes on here, finishes up, it says, Whatever the truth was, when Benowitz received horror story upon horror story of aliens eating abductees of, eating abductees of others used in terrible experiments and of men and women and children implanted with what he was told by military personnel were mind-controlling devices, Benowitz's lid was well and truly flipped. Of course, we find out later that he was being fed all this false information and just in a way to get him off the trail of a secret program. You know, and it shows me uh, the callousness and um, the total uh, disconcern uh, for your fellow human. And if we have those sorts of people working you know, in the government or with the government or connected to the government somehow, whether it's through an actual department or through some uh, you know, hired out corporate actor, it, it's, it's a situation that it's... It's almost as bad as if they were actually working with aliens. It shows you how little uh, the people in control of, of the government, in control of all these assets, really doesn't care about the citizens of the country. It goes on and says, The operation was known as Gasberry. 
a sub-project of a larger program with the codename of Plowshare. The AEC had an ambitious idea to detonate a small atomic device under the Carson National Forest, which covers more than a half a million acres of northern New Mexico. Incredibly, the detonation was not just a plan. It came to fruition on December 10, 1967. The goal was to secure valuable pockets of natural gas by literally blasting through the ground, which is exactly what happened. Today, however, more than a few UFO researchers believe that the detonation was not to try and locate natural gas pockets, after all, but to try and destroy the underground base at Dulce. That the town is admittedly only a few miles from the Carson National Forest has only increased the suspicion that one secret operation acted a cover for another, and it's a fact that the digging in the area is still strictly forbidden today. But stringent U.S. government laws... By stringent, under stringent U.S. government laws. No wonder, then, that the story of the Dulce base has turned a few skeptics into full-blown believers. Then just before the dawning of the 1990s, the FBI released into the public domain its files on cattle mutilations in and around Dulce, files that ran to around 150 packed pages and which included the virtually the vitally important papers of Officer Gabe Valdez. Now the time has come to take a look at the wildest claim of all that we that that way below Dulce Arcaluda Mesa, countless masses of alien abductees are transformed into nourishment for the aliens. And although the government secretly knows this, it's helpless to stop it. One source of the Dulce stories was a man who used to who used the alias of Tal Lavesque, he claimed in the pages of a highly controversial report called the Dulce Papers that he had spoken to a military man who had successfully managed to penetrate certain parts of the base. That man was said to have been named Thomas Costello. He, Costello, reportedly said the multi-leveled underground facility, Level 7, is worse, row after row of thousands of humans and human mixtures in cold storage. Here, too, are embryo storage vats of humanoids, in various stages of development. The author says, I frequently encountered humans in cages, usually dazed or drugged, but sometimes they cried and begged for help. We were told they were hopelessly insane and involved in high-risk drug tests to cure insanity. We were told to never try to speak to them at all. At the beginning, we believed that story. Finally, in 1978, a small group of workers discovered the truth. He goes on and says, while abduction research does not overtly suggest that aliens are harvesting people for consumption, they may be, there may be a grain of truth to the report. Nourishment is ingested by smearing a soupy mixture of biologicals on the, ep, on the epidermis. Food sources include bovine cattle and human parts distilled in a high-protein broth. Wow. It, you know... It, and then it goes on and says, uh, Paul Benowitz is long gone. Those intelligence-based and military personnel at Kirkland Air Force Base who fed the Dulce tale to Benowitz are either dead or in retirement. <clears throat> they are saying nothing but the story of Dulce Base and its imprisoned and possibly eaten or absorbed alien abductees lives on. Whether the story is true, though, is quite another matter. Sometimes fact really is stranger than fiction. On the other hand, though, fiction is sometimes presented as fact to hide another truth. Somewhere and somehow, the saga of Paul Benowitz falls into one of these categories, possibly even in a confusing, chaotic collage, or both. That was by Nick Redfern. Yeah, really strange. You kind of see what's going on there. I mean, they took this guy, uh, 
a highly talented individual with a successful company, financially well off, yet he thought that he was doing the right thing by reporting these strange radio signals and what he believed were UFO encounters to the uh, military. They, in turn, fed him all kinds of information. They took the opportunity not only to make him look like he was completely crazy, whatever paranoia he was already suffering from, they just antagonized it. And who knows, maybe this guy was given some sort of mind-altering drug for all we know. Eventually, he was driven insane, it appears, to the point where either he killed himself or he ended up dead somehow. I mean, the story is so clouded and so convoluted by now. I mean, who really knows, but we, I think we can safely say that Mr. Benowitz was a real victim here. And for what? Well, to create a parallel narrative. And actually, to create a couple of parallel narratives. People have questions about this area, about this underground base. They have questions about all the cattle mutilation. They won't tell you anything about it until years later the FBI comes out with this cockamamie story that, oh yeah, we were going around clandestinely checking these cattle to see what the radiation effect was. You know, that's not how you conduct a, uh, a cleanup for uh, radioactive waste. As you go through this story, you just see uh, page after page of deception. Now, people have questions about cattle mutilations because of the deception, because the investigations are never done are never done thoroughly. There's never been anybody prosecuted for these things. So then years later, the FBI comes along and takes this one case, say here in New Mexico, and says, oh yeah, well we were checking, we suspect that the military was dissecting these cattle, see if they were radiated by uh, atomic weapons or experiments. They give us no details of what happened. They give us no explanation realistically of why these this shouldn't have been done openly in front of the public okay they just they just shift the parallel from the unexplained uh, alien cattle abduction theory to the explained clandestine government cattle mutilation theory the same thing with when it comes to missing people or implants or any of this stuff when somebody gets too close the favorite thing on the playbook is to get to somebody who is known in the UFO community, feed that person disinformation, create this uh, parallel narrative, a false parallel with some truth, because you know the best truth, the best lies have a little bit of truth, so you put a little bit of truth in it, you mix it all together, and then you deperson the individual that you fed the information to, or maybe just, you know, make sure that they're not above ground anymore, and all of a sudden, the story just kind of disseminates into the into the uh, the public zeitgeist, and it becomes so confused and mixed together that people just become frustrated and say, "Well, I don't know what the answer is." Well, we know what the answer is. We've been lied to for seventy years, over seventy years, and we're going to continue to be lied to. And today, in that meeting between the Senate Subcommittee hearing and AARO, rest assured. You're going to be lied to again. You're going to be. Uh, they're going to attempt to deceive you again. They're going to attempt to to put things off. The guy in charge of Aero, he'll talk about things like motherships and Skinwalker Ranch, but you're not going to get any real answers on cattle mutilations, human abductions, implants, whether they're in contact with these things, and whether or not they're reverse engineering this UFO material or parts. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.